Hello, everyone, and welcome to this week's episode of the Fate to Go podcast, your one-stop shop for everything you need to have fate discussions throughout your week with your friends and with your family. My name is David Tremaine, and I'm the digital resource curator for Faith to Go. And I'm Charlotte Pressler, and I'm the director of formation for the Episcopal Diocese of San Diego. And I'm Maya Little Sonia, and I'm the family minister at St. Paul's Episcopal Cathedral in San Diego. Welcome back, everybody, to this week's episode leading up to Sunday, January 29th the last Sunday in January, the fourth Sunday after the Epiphany. And welcome back to our good friend, Maya Little Sonia. What's up, Maya? Oh, you know, conferencing. We're at Formo right now. And so that is just really fun and exciting. That's what's up. Yeah. Yeah. Maya and I are in Alexandria, Virginia. Yesterday, David, we were at your alma mater. Mm -hmm. You are not with us and we are sad and we miss you. Mm -hmm. I'm with you in spirit. And VTS definitely took part of my soul, so I'm kind of there, too. Um, <laughs> just kidding. You can cut that part out if you want. Thanks, you guys, for, for zooming in. We're so excited to hear more about the conference. So let's get into it. For our God sighting this week, Maya, would you share with us something that you're experiencing and seeing at uh, Forma this year in Alexandria? Right. So Forma is a annual conference of faith formation professionals, primarily within the Episcopal Church. We, there's a bunch of partnerships as well. You know, in our work, it's easy to feel alone, you know, whether that's within our sphere of friends who maybe aren't Christian or within our parishes and people not understanding what formation is or what goes into it. Or maybe I think a lot of the time it's easy to feel overlooked and underappreciated or unseen. Mm -hmm. And so something that's so beautiful about Forma, especially this year, having not been together in person for two years, where I saw God was in our opening worship session. And there were hundreds of people there of people that engage in this work like me. There's more of me, more of me (laughs) and and Charlotte and David, you know. Uh, So there's a sense of of being seen in that way. But when we did our prayers of the people, Mm -hmm. we repeated over and over, Lord, hear our prayer. And the acoustics in the chapel were just, it rung out so clearly and powerfully that it just made me feel really close to, to God and all the people in that room and to the, the mission of, of what we're called to do. I would agree with Maya that I think that with so far, we've had two plenaries, which have been excellent worship last night. I did the pre-conference yesterday and it is the connectedness um, both in the work and with the humans and with God mm-hmm. that seems to be like where I am feeling at this moment, God's presence most vividly. Absolutely. Good job, conferences. Good job, Forma. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you both so much for, one, taking the time to be with us from Formos. We get this live look in, which is exciting, and for sharing those God sightings. And now I think we should move to our gospel discussion. Again, we always would love to hear from you, any of your God sightings from your week, from your life, any of your questions, comments, or stories from your week of faith discussion and reflection. There's a lot of ways to get in touch with us, and you can find all those listed in the description for this episode. So you can just scroll right down and click on any of those links and uh, share anything with us that you'd like. We'd love to hear from you. So Charlotte is going to read the gospel for this coming Sunday, again, January 29th, the fourth Sunday after Epiphany. And then I'll have a little bit of context just so we know where we are in the gospel. And then we'll each share a point. So the gospel for this coming Sunday is Matthew 5, 1 through 12. When Jesus saw the crowds, he went up the mountain. And after he sat down, his disciples came to him. Then he began to speak and taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. 
Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will receive mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven. For in the same way, they persecuted the prophets who were before you. All right, so this is a part of Matthew's gospel, affectionately known as the Beatitudes within a larger section. This is the very beginning of the Sermon on the Mount. As we heard, Jesus saw the crowds. He went up the mountain, thus its name. There's a similar section in Luke that's called the Sermon on the Plain because Jesus goes into an open plain and starts teaching similar things. Matthew's idea is that Jesus is kind of like this Moses-like figure. So Moses got the laws up on a mountain, and now Jesus is giving us these, these beatitudes on a mountain, giving us like this big chunk of teaching. So that's what we're in for. And this is how he opens it up. So this is the very next thing after last week's reading. And Charlotte has the first point. I was actually thinking a little bit about this version of Jesus in Matthew's gospel that we get the teacher and the fact that up on the mount, Jesus is teaching the disciples and that as we read it, Jesus is teaching us. Yet part of what I was thinking about in all of this is in this section of scripture, these beatitudes that we're hearing in all of their complexity and weirdness, that the ideas that are in them are not new, that they are rooted in other things that we have learned over time and that perhaps we have forgotten. And as we know in this gospel that it is part of our lectionary and that the lectionary has other readings in it, one of the readings that accompanies this is from Micah, which also is the theme of Forma this year, conveniently. Which, by the way, Forma people, was that an on purpose or just a happenstance? I'm not sure. As I was looking at it, and we have heard over and over again in the last day, there is this line at the end of the Micah reading that says, he has told you, O mortal, what is good, and what does the Lord require of you, but to do justice and to love kindness and to walk humbly with your God. As I have been participating here at Forma and then reading the scriptures for today and thinking about it, I'm like, they're so similar, these Beatitudes, and they're so grounded in this Micah reading that we get about how we move in this world. And Jesus is reminding the disciples in this, that these things that are that we are being called to are challenging and hard, but that the blessing is within them and that the blessing is within doing them. And I love that we get that. And then as I started to think about it, I thought, well, but have we entirely learned them? Mm. Uh, have we forgotten occasionally? And so thinking about the fact that these Beatitudes and this Micah reading, that they also kind of line up with the baptismal covenant that we explore um, every time and the ways that we are called to see God in every human being and the justice that we are called to, and that that is a continued reminder 
for all of us, a continued teaching for all of us of how we ought to live it. And the living of it is the challenge, right? The living of the baptismal covenant, the living of these beatitudes, the living of the message from Micah is the reason why we constantly need to be reminded because living requires practice. Teaching requires learning. We have to absorb it and then we have to practice it. Mm -hmm. And in practicing it, we know that we are never going to be perfect at it. And that in those moments when it becomes hard is when we need companions on the journey so that we can have people that will help us be accountable when we are ready to set it aside and maybe pretend we don't know. Mm -hmm. Um, But that there is this constant invitation to learn to absorb and to practice with one another. Amen, amen. Um, I'm always struck by the language of blessed are those that, or blessed are you when people revile you and persecute you. There's a lot of moments in this reading where it just seems kind of ridiculous. Like blessed are, you know, the poor spirit, blessed are people you would not consider to be blessed. Blessed are those who mourn for they will be comforted. And Jesus in this does what Jesus does, his signature move of flipping the way we think about power dynamics and relationships on on its head, complete 180. This is a great example of that. Considering what you said, Charlotte, about engaging with these teachings in the modern context and how they apply to our lives and always needing to rethink them, I feel compelled to journal and reflect and think about modern Beatitudes and how this using the formula that Jesus has kind of given us about flipping things on their head or, or inviting us to think about how the kingdom of God is very different than the world we live in. And what seems impossible here is, is not impossible for God in this kingdom. And so how can we go about bringing that here? And so an example of that might be blessed are those who are burnt out for they will find rest. Blessed are the climate activists, for they will see restoration. All of those things that I think are so pertinent and and pressing in our time. And we can examine that on on a large global scale in our communities and for ourselves. Where are we at? Uh, in our lives currently. Once we've made those statements, how can we go about bringing that to earth? How can we make it happen? Even though it seems laughable, even sometimes, this is almost like a, a formula that we can continuously engage with. I love that. And it was making me think about, we just heard a plenary from Heidi Kim and hers was on do justice. Mm -hmm. And one of her reflections in it, she asked us to constantly be asking ourselves questions. But one of the questions was, what is yours? What is others? What is God's? And that goes so much with what you were saying, Mm -hmm. Maya. Yeah. And I think it's also, I, what I, what I hear you saying is that Jesus is giving the people standing there hope for the future where there may not have been much hope and for people that have not may not have been feeling much hope and very often in justice work it can feel so hopeless because it's such big systemic issues happening that it seems so deeply rooted in the way we do things and they feel like these kind of seismic shifts but Jesus is kind of saying, yes, the, sh- the shifts are seismic like the work is big but you're also part of a bigger, story a bigger narrative i think we kind of said this last week too is that like our hope comes in the fact that what that it's not just our life our little self that's doing this stuff we're part of this lineage of 
justice seekers. The people that Jesus was talking to that day did not see these things realized in their lifetime. And as, Char as Charlotte said, we still haven't seen them realized. We, sitting here on the Zoom call, may not see them realized. But Jesus is saying, we're part of a larger story, you know, that things are moving towards something. Like Martin Luther King is famously quoted as saying, the arc of history is long, but it bends towards justice. Keep doing the work because it feels hopeless, and you might not see it come to fruition, but, but it will. We're moving there. Something is happening. The kingdom is coming. You know, the earth will be inherited. There is something more than this moment. I like that. And I was then compelled to think about this idea of being meek. And I looked it up. And one way of translating it is, is gentle, which I really like. Because I don't connect very much with the word meek. Not something I use very much. But I do say gentle a lot, especially to my two children who are constantly hitting things and throwing things and hitting each other. So I'm, I'm really always reminding them to be gentle. And there's something so beautiful about gentleness, I think, that connects with me at a much deeper level than the idea of meekness. And so I'm also then struck by this idea that the people that he was talking to, to people whose land has been taken away not by gentleness, but by power and overpowering and strength. I love this idea from Jesus. Number one, land cannot be possessed. It might be inherited. Like it might be something that you walk on and have a relationship with, but it's not something that can be overpowered. And that really the only way to be with land, to be with the soil, to be with the earth is gentle, is gentleness. But we have a whole history, 2,000 years since Jesus stood up on that mountain of people overtaking other people's land by overpowering them and, and persecuting them and hurting them and definitely not being gentle. I think like in the moment, especially maybe for the Roman Empire there and for America and for so many other hegemonic powers, it seems like you've got possession of the land, but land cannot be possessed and it definitely cannot be treated anything other than gently because what we've come to find out is that the land will fight back and the land will show its strength and it will meet your strength with something much stronger. I think it's just this incredible call to rethink how we are with land, to rethink our histories to understand and think about and wonder what it might be like to move forward with gentleness towards the land and those who have been disinherited from land and call ourselves to a more just way of being with the world and the earth and the soil on which we stand and the people from whom that soil was taken. I love that invitation to gentleness and I like it in as you were encouraging us in its relationship to the earth, but also like just that idea of being gentle with each other mm -hmm. in all of our relationships, even as we are constantly moving towards justice and doing all of that work, that that gentleness and that care, mm -hmm. if we choose to walk in the world that way, that's a really beautiful invitation. And the distinction mm -hmm. between gentleness and possession, mm -hmm. I think, especially in romantic relationships, there is such an overarching theme of, of, of possession and not wanting to lose your possession. And so I think there's a focus on possessing people and controlling people and dominating people one way or another that is not sustainable or what we're called to. Instead, it's a matter of gentleness, fluidity and relationship. It reminds me also of like, in the Tao Te Ching, which is like the central text of Taoism, I think this is where it says this, like, you know, be like water and all of that, because water is soft and yielding and fluid. 
and it's also the strongest force on earth. Mm-hmm. Um, you see this in erosion, right? And it says whatever is soft is stronger than what is strong mm. versus that which is rigid and unyielding and powerful. And that also, I think, lends itself to this idea of the arc of the universe is long, but events towards justice or history. It's what is soft and what is persistent and fluid will also overcome what is dominant and rigid. And that meekness or gentleness is not the same as weakness, that there is like this inherent strength in being gentle. And I think the same in mercy and peacemaking. So you are, you are constantly choosing to not use your strength to overpower, but to actually invite and create new possibilities. So that's our three points. Point number one was Charlotte's. And it was about the reminder and the importance for us to be constantly reminded through all these different ways, the lectionary, the Book of Common Prayer, our baptismal covenant, Jesus all these ways of that we need to be reminded of these teachings and and what it is to which we are called. Maya's was Jesus's signature move of flipping <laughs> things on his head, flipping power on its head. How important it is to inhabit the the world and and be in relationship in different ways um, than than the overpowering ways we sometimes are taught to be. And third was mine, uh, similar to those two just about this very specific idea of being gentle and being with the earth and what it means to inherit the earth through gentleness. So having heard those three points, we'd love to hear what your point would have been or any of your questions, comments, or stories from your week of faith discussion, any God sightings you might have, we'd love to hear from you. You can get in contact with us using any of those ways listed in the description for this podcast episode. And we will be back next week to talk about the fifth Sunday after Epiphany in year A. Thank you again, Charlotte and Maya. And if anybody wants to know more about Forma and what they do and who they are, um, their website is forma.church. And we are hopeful. A lot of this conference is hybrid and a lot of the things have been live streamed. So you may be able to access some of the recordings on there as well and and hear some amazing speakers. Mm -hmm. All right. And thanks, everybody, for listening. Until next week, say goodbye. Bye. Bye, Bye, everyone. And now those of us that are hungry are going to go and inherit lunch. Right, right. Bless All who are hungry. hungry. <laughs> <laughs> Hold on. <laughs> They're playing with this really loud toy right outside my door. One second. Okay, bye, Greg.